Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. This morning we're going to begin in John chapter 14 again. Uh, Only briefly, several places we're going to be this morning. In regard to John 14, verse 6, he says, Jesus answered him and said, I am the way, the truth, the life. And in the course of John's gospel, John speaks specifically about having faith in Jesus Christ 97 times. And so based upon that context, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through faith in me. Jesus does not provide a way. Jesus does not point us to the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So today's question is, if God really is an all-loving, gracious, merciful, and kind, then the fact that He appears to condemn those who have never heard the gospel comes across harsh, unmerciful, and unjust. And so how could it be fair and just for those who have never even had a chance to hear the gospel, which is necessary for salvation, to be condemned to hell for all eternity? Well, a couple of things that I want to just start out by saying. One of this is, uh, where in the world do we get that God is fair? God is not fair. If God were fair, we would have all been in hell a long time ago. We are very, very grateful that God is not fair. But in His unfairness, it is is, uh, balanced out with His justice. God is just. And everything that God does is the right thing to do. Every time God is right. There's been a lot of times you've been treated fairly and it wasn't right. You got the benefit. That somebody else got just because you were in the same room and they treated you fairly. But that's not fair. God is not fair. But He's just. And so the question seems incredibly powerful. But behind that question lies some significantly faulty assumptions. So what are the assumptions? Well, I'm going to give you just a couple. The first mistaken assumption is that our condemnation is based upon a rejection of the gospel. Our condemnation is not a result of a rejection of the gospel. Scripture teaches us that our condemnation is based upon the fact that we are sinners, not because we have at some point in our life rejected the gospel. We do not become sinners once we know we're sinners. We are sinners far before that. Accepting salvation based upon general knowledge. So let me take a second and, and, and re-explain this from last week. I'll do it much more uh, quickly this week. Um, so there's two types of knowledge. General knowledge and special knowledge or specific knowledge. General knowledge is wrapped up in the idea of what we all know collectively because we are alive. 
So, you know, you, you learn pretty early that two plus two equals... Well, you should be more confident than that. Uh, two plus two equals four. All right, that's general knowledge. We all can know that. You know, this plus this equals this. We can, we can get that mathematics work at whatever point. Just because we learn what its name is doesn't mean we're just now getting the knowledge of that. But you can take 2 plus 2 equals 4, and you can build on that. And there are people who make their living doing mathematic equations. But that's still all general knowledge. That's knowledge that we all can just know generally. It's innate how things are ordered out. Lots of things that we know. Now, it doesn't mean that we know all things, but what we do know begets more information. That's general knowledge. The second thing that the second type of knowledge is special knowledge, which is the knowledge that we know empirically. So this is knowledge that we gather through the senses. Some way or another, we experienced it personally. General knowledge, you don't have to experience it to know it's true. But special knowledge, we do have to experience it with our senses. And so today we're going to really break that down. We did a little bit last week, but this week we're really going to, I'm not going to use that a lot, but we're going to base upon that, that logic and reason, general knowledge and special knowledge. This is, this is science. This is not just my opinion. But general knowledge, accepting salvation purely based upon general knowledge would be similar to faith with works. And so, general knowledge, if I am able to respond to salvation by what I know that we all know, then that is me responding, and that would be works-related. General knowledge does not have the ability, the power to save us. What we know innately does not have the power to save us. It's, it's very similar to the Old Testament. I actually used to teach this maybe a couple of times, and, and I am wrong and have been wrong about this uh, very early. I don't think I've ever taught it here. But I used to say, maybe even when I was a youth pastor, uh, not that it doesn't matter because it really, really does. But I used to say uh, that, that you have the, the, the two ways to be saved. You could keep the law perfectly or salvation in Jesus Christ. And by the way, you blew the first one before you even knew it existed. And while that sounds great, I have learned through Paul's teaching in the book of Romans that the law was never meant to save us. The law is ineffective to save us. It cannot save us. You can keep the law perfectly from day one and still not experience salvation. In fact, Paul said that the law exists not to save us, but to prove to us that we're not that we're wicked, that we're evil. Here's what God expects, and you can never match up to it. Even in your perfect law-keeping, when the law has its perfect work, you will be most aware of your sinfulness. But the law cannot save. The law will not save. Similarly, we can have the law, it would be equated to our general knowledge, these things that we just know. General knowledge about God only proves to us our wickedness. How far we are away from God, but it does not show us how to be reconciled with Him. 
We need special knowledge to know what to do with general knowledge. So the Israelites for 4,000 years are walking around, or 2,000 years, are walking around with information about the law. 4,000 years, human nature itself giving them the framework that they are lost. Then 2,000 years in, Moses gives them the law through, through the Lord. And then 2,000 years later, when they're all worshiping according to the law, Peter speaks Jesus, and all of a sudden, this is special knowledge. For the first time, their general knowledge brought them to a place of obedience. And when they heard special knowledge, 3,000 souls were saved that day. That's powerful. But they were responding to general knowledge, which brought them to special knowledge. But it's also possible to have general knowledge... Like all of the pagan nations around Israel, they had that knowledge, but they hated the law. And they would not subscribe to it. And it took them to all sorts of idolatry. Paganism. Child sacrifices. They had the same general knowledge, but one walked according to the light that was given And one walked away from the light that was given. Now, God's wrath, very clearly, is revealed against everyone who suppresses that general knowledge, that truth that is revealed through creation. So strictly speaking, the Bible denies that there are persons who have never heard of God. There's never been a person that's taken a breath, or, well, I'll, I'll say it that way, that does not know that there is a God. You say, Pastor, you can't possibly know that. I don't have to know that. I have special revelation of that. It's in Scripture. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If it were not true, if this were not true, if, if people who have never heard the gospel, if they were saved because of their ignorance, then wouldn't it, now be very, listen to me very, very, one more very carefully. All right? If people who had never heard the name of Jesus could be saved in some other way by their ignorance. Wouldn't it make sense that we would burn every Bible and that we would destroy every Christian? That we would ruin every church and any book ever written that talks about Christianity in a generation, two generations, three generations, the world would be blotted out of the name of Christ altogether and the whole world would be saved. Wouldn't that make good sense? But this doesn't seem to be the missionary work of the Lord. The work is not accomplished by not taking the gospel, but He puts that responsibility squarely upon the lips of His people. And every time that you see special knowledge going out, God uses His people to do that. I think of people like Ananias and even the Apostle Paul when, when Saul is knocked off his donkey and this great voice, Jesus' voice comes and has this interaction with 
wouldn't this be the time that Jesus would say, hey, Saul, here's what, there is salvation in no other name. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus never tells him special revelation. Paul is responding to general revelation. Jesus busts in and says, you go over here with somebody with skin on and he's going to tell you how to live. God always uses his people to reveal special knowledge. Let's go one step further. We talk about the Islamic world. Dreams and visions. Where dreams and visions exist, God's Word does not. And where God's Word is, there's no dreams and visions. We're going to talk about that later on in the summer. So be patient on that. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot right now. But where there is not the possibility of God's people at work, God Himself. But you see this in every story that I've been told and been able to verify where there are dreams and visions in the Islamic world and, and others. I'm, I'm just a little bit more uh, uh, whatever, aware of, of uh, Islamic stories. But even Jesus himself in these dreams and visions don't tell people how to be saved. He tells them where to go meet somebody. And he establishes people there, his people there. But these are people who are aware of general knowledge and they're saying yes to general knowledge. And as they are saying yes, God gives them more and more light. So, since the day of Pentecost, entire population, people groups, ethnic groups have lived and died without ever hearing an opportunity to hear Jesus' name. Even now, there are huge pockets of humanity who have never had the gospel of Jesus Christ delivered to them. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. The Bible can and should be, must be interpreted literally. And if you take a survey of the biblical evidence, biblical evidence supports the following facts. Number one, lost humanity consistently distorts natural revelation that demonstrates the fact that we live under the wrath of God. What I mean by that, and we're going to see that, is that as people are aware of general knowledge, and we all have the same evidence of general knowledge, but as I respond to that general knowledge, I can do that with an open heart for more information, or I can go ahead and close my heart off, and it will allow perversions to pop up in its place. So because I want this thing to be true, I'll start finding general knowledge evidence that supports whatever I want. We stop asking questions, and wherever it is in general knowledge that we stop asking questions, perversions grow. But if we keep, keep following the way, the truth, and the life, we can't help but end up at some special knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So let me ask you, what stands opposed or what is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness? I want to hear you say it. What is revealed? The wrath of God. Who by their unrighteousness, what do they do? Suppress the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if they're suppressing the truth, who are they truly suppressing? The special knowledge that only comes from God. 
Now, to suppress something means you must be aware of it, but you're holding it down. Verse 19, for what can be known, what can be known about God is plain to those that are looking. No, no, no. What can be known, what is possible to be known about God is plainly revealed to those who work unrighteousness and ungodliness. There is not an unrighteous, ungodly person that is not aware of God's wrath upon them. Verse 20. For His, God's, invisible attributes. What are His invisible attributes? Well, what is God? God is love, God is grace, God is mercy, God is forgiving. All of these things are invisible attributes. Not He is tall, dark-headed. Not Those are... Those are visible attributes that I'm not sure God has, but invisible attributes are characteristics of His nature. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly, what? Perceived. That's much bigger than revealed because there's been things revealed to me that I did not perceive. But here he goes one step further to say that the ungodly and the righteous are actually aware of God's eternal power and of His divine nature. Ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. There cannot, will not be one human being who stands before God and says, I did not know about you. God has made it clear. And what they have done with what they know will determine what they get next. Verse 21. For although they knew God, that doesn't mean relationally. It means to be aware. They knew God. They did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they become futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They preferred their creation over the Creator. What Paul is really telling the church at Rome here is that we all have the same evidence. Walk outside and you can see in nature itself the invisible characteristics of God the Creator. And if you want to have a relationship with God the Creator, He'll give you information that will lead you down the way, the truth, and the life. But if you don't want to surrender to the Creator, then you'll be able to believe whatever you want to be true. What Paul would go to the next step is that people cannot be expected to place their faith in a story that they've not heard. In other words, we all have general knowledge that brings us to a place of our known ungodliness, our our known wickedness. We have guilt, we have shame. We have a a desire to get even. We have anger. We have fear. We have these emotions based on general knowledge that tell us 
that this world is not right. And if I pursue myself, I'll create my own religion. I'll worship my own gods. I'll figure some way that I do not have to surrender to my create, to the real Creator. But if I am willing to find answers, if I am willing to free myself of guilt and shame as I process, as I respond positively to general knowledge, God will make sure that there is special knowledge available to me. Verse, in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, it says that the requirements of the law, we're going to read it in a minute in its context, but it says the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. So even people who have never heard the gospel have a revelation of the cosmic Christ in their conscience and in their nature. So Paul's argument here is that God's revelation in nature is sufficient only to condemn us. It, it, is, it is meant to make us aware it's not meant to save us. So though the unreached man knows God, he suppresses the truth that's perceptible in nature and is therefore without excuse. So humans aren't guilty because they haven't heard the gospel. They're guilty because they haven't honored the Creator in what they do already know. There won't be a person to stand before God and say, I didn't know. He will say, it was everywhere and it was perceived by you. So will God condemn the innocent tribesman who's never heard the name of Christ? No. Because there's no such thing as an innocent tribesman. He's not innocent. We have carnal, sinful natures by birth. And we know it. We already know it. He says that it's written on our hearts. In John chapter 14, I won't go into all that again, but... But Jesus there very plainly says, and I believe is teaching this, that He is the only way. Faith in Him is the only way to the Father. In Acts chapter 4, Paul tells, or Peter declares to the church that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other what? Way? No, no other name. Given among men under heaven, whereby men, what? Must be saved. See, what Paul is teaching us, what Jesus is teaching us, what Peter is teaching us, is that we believe in a Creator naturally. So there are no atheists that are born we are born believing in a Creator, but we suppress the truth because we do not want it, and we create some other escape. And we build the narrative around our beliefs. Instead of allowing the evidence to bring us to a place, we allow the place we want to be in to give us the facts. 
So Paul states for the most part that they have not accepted even this amount of light and followed it. Therefore, they too have rejected Christ. So is it true then that those who have never heard really have no idea of God's existence or their moral responsibilities? Biblically speaking, that's just not true. Those who have never heard have heard something. They do not have access to key information about God. God actually placed that key information, that special knowledge, He placed inside of you through the Holy Spirit. You are God's special revelation to the world. You are His special knowledge. So if there are people in this world who do not know, it's not their fault, it's ours. Sadly, because of the decisions or the conclusions that they draw from general knowledge, it leaves them helpless with special knowledge. We who have special knowledge are far too busy for those people. There is not a place in this world that you can go. There is not a person in this world that you can talk to that is not fully aware of their brokenness. But we create coping mechanisms. Addictions, pleasures, finances. We find ways to make sense of our brokenness. And we turn these things into gods. But they are empty. They're empty. And they're, they are completely devoid of special knowledge that God has placed in His church. Into each one of us. In fact, not only did He give it to us, He commanded us as individuals to wherever you go, your only, not, not highest, your only responsibility is to make disciples. How do you make disciples? You impart special knowledge. Instead, we try to avoid broken people. Or we point our fingers at them and tell them why they're broken. Listen, they already know they're broken. The last thing they need is a wagging finger in their face. What they need is to be aware of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Be careful. Because I'm telling you, it wasn't very long ago that you could have had a finger wagging in your face. All people, by virtue of living in God's creation, have in effect been exposed to the invisible qualities of Christ that's exhibited in the realm of natural revelation. So what Paul would go on to say here in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 is that when you find people who are in our culture, for instance, when you present the gospel clearly to someone who has some element of understanding and they say, I don't want Jesus... That is the same as some person who has never heard anything other than general knowledge saying, I reject the testimony of nature. I prefer evolution or atheism or whatever. It's the same thing. It's rebellion. 
And I think about the world's philosophies, you know, false religions that we call them, non-biblical religions. They are perverted responses to general revelation. That's all. They're perverted responses to what people already know generally. These things are proof that special knowledge has not reached the uttermost parts of the earth yet. At least twice in history, every person on the face of the earth was a believer. Adam and Eve and Noah. These two times in history, 1,600 years apart, by the way, only six chapters, but a much longer period of time. Everybody on the face of the earth was a believer in those days. Now, they didn't take very long. Adam and Eve give birth to Cain and Abel. They all have the same element of general knowledge, right? So, Cain and Abel growing up together, general knowledge, exactly the same. Everybody has that. But Cain made some different conclusions because his heart was hard. And Cain didn't want to surrender to the cause of his Creator. He didn't want a relationship with his Creator. He wanted a relationship with himself and his ease and his comfort and his pleasure. Abel, on the other hand, wanted to take that general knowledge and use it for the glory of God. And so, to one was given more opportunity, to the other, opportunities restricted. What's the response? Absolute. Listen, this is not because general knowledge wasn't available. This is outright rebellion. This is not knowing. This is not unbelief or disbelief. This is outright rebellion. And now rebellion exists in the heart of all of Cain's seed. And before long, men don't even know. They don't even have, they don't even have the same conclusions. But it starts with rebellion. It doesn't start with ignorance. It never starts with ignorance. People can plead ignorance now or they can blame their mom and dad for what they believe or what they didn't have. And that's fine. We can get to the place of ignorance. But just know this. All ignorance begins with rebellion. And I'm speaking salvifically only. Go back to Noah. You got three boys. They all have the same general knowledge about God. They start having children. And they get off the boat. Only a few generations later, you have men shaking their fists toward heaven. This is not unbelief. This is not disbelief. They have the invisible attributes of God and they all can respond the same way. Some respond and they carry the seed of God's promise. Others respond and build towers so that they can be gods. This is rebellion. This isn't ignorance. Now, while there may be people, people groups in this world today that are ignorant of the special revelation of Jesus Christ, just know it begins from a place of rebellion. So, well, that's not their fault. That was the fault of their fathers or their grandfathers or their great-grandfathers. And all of that is true. And so before you blame your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents, you need to look around at creation because God's invisible attributes are all around you. If all you have is God's creation, when you stand before Him as a judge, Paul says you will be without excuse. Because of rebellion of our hearts. 
Well, let's look at uh, Romans chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. Be very careful here. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. That means for those who didn't have the law, they won't be judged by the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. In other words, whether you know the law or whether you don't know the law, you do know the law. There's not a people group in the world that would say, you know what, I think our best effort is just to, just to murder people. I think that's what we should do. If we don't get it, we just murder people. You go anywhere, you know, this is written on our hearts. Not to steal. We feel guilty when we steal. We feel guilty when we murder. We feel guilty when we covet. We feel guilty when we neglect. We feel guilty when we take God's name in vain. We feel guilty when we're not honoring Him in some way. Guilt pervades the human condition because those things, those things are the law written upon our hearts. And we don't know what to do with them. Why do we feel guilty? Why do we feel bad? Why do we feel shame? I don't know why I feel this way, but I feel it's a result of general knowledge. But as we feel as if we need to have closure in those areas, God will some way or another bring more light to us. Okay, so, verse 14. When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. By nature. Now, you say, well, Pastor, it's not natural to throw stones at your children if they're disobedient. No, that's true. Those are different laws. We're going to talk about that later in the summer. What laws we keep, what laws we don't keep. These are, these are the, the, the uh, laws for humanity. So even the Gentiles who don't have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have a law. They show that the work of the law is where? Written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. What this means is, is that at any form we find ourselves, we know when we do wrong. God gave it to us. So outside of us, we look at nature and we can see God. Inside of us, as we evaluate, we can see God. What I do with my Creator will determine what information I get of Christ. Verse 16, and on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. So this conviction alone alone is sufficient to condemn every man on the day of judgment. So without knowledge of Jesus, without knowledge of Jesus, we cannot know what to do with what we feel. So everybody in your life who is apart from Christ, they know how they feel, but they do not know what to do. So they've created other ways. Don't get angry at them. Walk alongside of them and show another way. There is no other way. 
except Jesus Christ. Their way will fall short. And if you're walking for Christ, your way can't. Don't get mad that they don't respond to you today. Wait, be patient until the bottom falls out of their way and they'll need a replacement. And your testimony will be there to show them the special knowledge that God has imparted to you. It's important to understand that because people have an instinctive awareness of God's demand for righteousness, never having heard the gospel will not be an excuse for their unrighteousness. We'll talk about Acts chapter 10 for a second. I'm going to use this as an illustration. The story is of a centurion. He's a, he's a, he's a great man. He's a Gentile. He's, he's not a Christian. He's not a Jew. He doesn't know the law, but he's a very powerful man. Now, he is worshiping the way of the Jews because his general knowledge has told him there's something to this. And so he is giving himself to more and more light. And while he is praying, he is finding that it's insufficient. And so he is praying to the Lord. And here's what the Lord says to him. Cornelius! There is a certain man named Peter. You should call for him. Now you would think that God himself would say, Cornelius, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But he doesn't. He's looking for people who have Jesus on their lips. Call Peter. So the next day, Cornelius' servants get up and they go 30 miles. Knock on Peter's door. Peter, you've got to come. Where am I going to come? Cornelius had a dream. God said that you had a special word for him. Peter said, huh, I do have a special word for him. He goes 30 miles to Cornelius' house, knocks on the door. Cornelius says to him, give me the words that God has given to you for me. Isn't that powerful? Where light is responded to, more light there is. And Peter says everything that God could have told Cornelius in a dream. It says Cornelius was saved, he and his entire household. And out of there launches a church. Led by Cornelius and many others. Why do I point to the story? Well, there's two reasons. Number one, because if a genuine, unreached seeker were to exist, why wouldn't we expect God to reveal the gospel message to him? whether through a missionary or a dream, just as he did to Cornelius. Second, and probably more importantly, if there ever was a candidate that could be saved purely by general knowledge, it would be Cornelius. But general knowledge wasn't enough. He needed special knowledge. Special knowledge that reside in the people of God. In uh, the next chapter... Philip is walking and he sees this chariot and it's a, got a, a, an Ethiopian eunuch. This guy's far from the Lord. He, he's not a Jew. But he's reading, he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. And he's reading, actually, it's a, it's a messianic prophecy uh, from Isaiah. And I won't read all of it now, but uh, it's the passage of like, uh, we, uh, like a sheep, we all have gone astray. And he talks about you know, the shepherd. And, and, 
And Philip just, you know, kind of, God told him to saunter up to the... You. Now, this, this man is not a Jew. He is far from the Lord. But he's reading Scripture, which means he has general knowledge, and he's, he's saying yes to what he's seeing revealed, right? And out of nowhere, here's Philip. And Philip says, you know who you're reading about? What's the, what's the eunuch say? How could I know? Now, I'm going to paraphrase this, as I have most of this. General knowledge does not reveal this to me. I need somebody to tell me, who am I reading about? And Philip tells him about Jesus Christ. And the eunuch says, what would prevent me from being baptized right now? Well, not one thing. Baptized and poof, Philip disappears. Where does Philip go? I don't know. Somebody else who needed some special revelation, I guess. But you have this throughout the entire New Testament. You have people who are saying yes, and you have people who are hardening their hearts. But everybody knows. Everybody knows. We don't know who is saying yes to general knowledge and who is saying no to general knowledge. Our responsibility is not to know that. Our responsibility is to have Jesus on our lips. So in light of that evidence, we have to conclude that the people who have never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, they stand condemned. If they've never heard the name of Jesus, they are condemned. Because even the invisible attributes that would lead them to Christ, they have rejected that. Not because they didn't hear, but because they didn't respond to what they did know. And they didn't have the puzzle piece to know what to do with their questions because we're too busy living our own pleasurable lives. It's not their fault. It's ours. There's many in this world that are asking the questions. The harvest is ripe. It's full. It's huge. But there are few who are going. That's why Jesus said, pray that the Lord will send. The Bible places emphasis on the need to physically hear the gospel. Do I have to hear the gospel to be saved? The answer, yes. You have to hear the gospel to be saved. You say, Pastor, that is so unfair. How is it unfair? God has been screaming to the church for 2,000 years to go. How is it unfair? He's been screaming to the unbelieving world, Look at me! Look at me! How is that not fair? Paul said this in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How will they call on Him? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on Him who they've not believed? And how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And that preacher doesn't mean a pastor or a professional vocational preacher. How will they hear unless someone who has the good news declare it to them? You don't have to go very far to find people who are suppressing general knowledge. 
who are saying no to special knowledge. You don't have to go very far. You work with these people. You live next door to these people. Some of you live with them. So there's... I'll say this. There are some people, I believe, who are called to other countries. But there is not a Christian that's not called to have Jesus on your lips everywhere you go. No, I take that back. If you find somewhere where there's not brokenness, you can be quiet there. There are four reasons, four motivations for us to share the gospel. Number one, the love of God. If He is truly seeking worshipers, shouldn't we be seeking worshipers? Shouldn't we be looking for every opportunity to recruit people to worship the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth? Our love for Him alone should warrant us to have Jesus on our lips. The second reason is the love for sinners. Don't forget who we used to be and who we are still capable of being. May our life flow into being obligated to sharing the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ with those who are either hardened or those who don't know what to do with the questions that they're asking. Obedience to the Great Commission should motivate us. Jesus told us to. In fact, in all of our doing, it's the thing He told us to do. Make disciples. Make disciples. Why don't we make disciples? I'm just too busy. My calendar's full. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. I'm not gifted. I don't feel the call. My life ain't right. Think about all those excuses. Listen, listen, listen. There's general knowledge. And these people who have never said yes to Jesus and never heard Jesus, they do stand condemned. But for those of us who just keep coming up with excuses for, not, for why we're not making disciples, there won't be an excuse for us either. Because you know as well as I do, every excuse you have to be obedient to the gospel is garbage. Every excuse is garbage. And the last motivation is the prospect that one day I am going to be held accountable for failing to deliver the message of the gospel. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a heavy message, but man, it is a heavy calling, isn't it? I just want to give you just a perspective real quick, and then I'm going to be done. Uh, people group is defined as people who have a unique culture. Um, you know, you can, some of them are very, very similar, but you can distinguish people groups by people who practice different, different ways. It's not languages, it's customs and histories and stuff like that. So, In the world today, there are 17,072 people groups. Everywhere. 17,072. That is a lot of people groups. Now, uh, evangelistically speaking, an unreached people group 
are people who, in their people group, there are less than 2% that are Christian. And I wouldn't even say born-again Christian. Less than 2% have an awareness of special knowledge. There are 3,325 reached people groups. 17,000 people groups, 3,000 of them have more than 2% of their population that know the name of Jesus. And here we sit. There are 7.68 billion people in the world. 3.19 have never heard the name of Jesus and no one is even targeting their group. 41.9% of the world's population will die having never heard the name of Jesus. And here we sit. And it would be different if we would just pray, God, reach those people. He's screaming. I mean, he can't make it more obvious. In fact, he put himself in you so that you could do just that. And here we sit. But I'm pretty sure if we were to say, Lord, if you would use me, I would be used. We already know if he would use you or not. The question, I guess, is really, are we going to put down our excuses? Or are we going to have Jesus on our lips? I guess we could write checks. Let's pray. Lord, it is a heavy responsibility to have Jesus. But to whom much is given, much is required. And we have been given much more than our obedience. And you have been gracious. And you have been merciful and patient. Lord, I pray that this morning would be a defining moment in the life of our church. I pray that this morning you might raise up international missionaries, people who might would still have an opportunity to say yes to reaching unreached people. But Lord, whether we travel to get there by plane or whether we travel to get there by our feet, I pray that you would use us to declare the special knowledge that you have imparted to us by your Holy Spirit through your word, Lord. Help us to reveal Jesus and to make what is partially perceivable by the world. Help us to add those puzzle pieces so that they'll know what to do with the questions that their, that their nature. is asking. 
Lord, help us not to be quick to judge. Help us be quick to compassion. Help us learn to encourage one another. Motivate each other. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. And now may we give you obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And I don't know. I don't know where you are in your walk. I know, I know a, a walk is a pretty easy thing to fake. <clears throat> but based upon what Paul teaches us, I mean, you, you know by nature where you are. I mean, you know how broken you still feel, how fulfilled and content you really are in Christ. So this morning, I just want to challenge you to, to just say, Lord, you've called me. Now make it clear. Because I'm telling you today, we, we walked in here with general knowledge. God always intends to, to give us a little more light when we're together. We've been given a little bit more light today. So what I want to encourage you to do is just shuffle toward the light. And you say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know anything. That, that's okay. Yours is not to know. Yours is just to shuffle toward the light. And as you do, His Word will be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And His Holy Spirit will give you peace as you walk toward Him. Yours is just simply to say yes every time He calls. Every time He calls is just to say yes. Otherwise, you'll stop asking questions. And even in our Christianity, we'll start finding disobedience and different forms of heresy and laziness and apathy. The very people of God who have already said yes to Him, settling for less than His glory. So let me encourage you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, this is the time to say yes to that. Maybe you need to repent of apathy. Maybe you need to repent of sin. Maybe, maybe God has obscured Himself from you for some time. Maybe He's trying to teach something. Maybe you've walked away. Today, make sure that when you leave this place, you have Jesus on your lips for our neighbors and for the nations. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.